So we're in Psalm 51, and we're going to see another one of these beautiful stories. And if you found your place there, I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to pray and then begin right there at verse 1, and we'll read down through most of the chapter, and uh, we'll get the message of David this morning as we, as we read about his request that he makes to God. So let's pray, and then we'll begin reading right there in verse 1. Father, how we love you today and how we love your word. Thank you so much for giving us the Bible. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege in America to be free, that we have multiple copies, that we can read the word of God at our leisure and our convenience. We thank you for the privilege today to gather in freedom and worship you and to be encouraged by your word, to learn the stories of the Bible. Lord, so that they might help us live and truly live in Jesus Christ. Lord, we just ask that you'd speak to hearts and lives today. We pray, dear Holy Spirit, you'd be our teacher and guide. And we pray you'd apply the word of God to our hearts. Help us know what we need to do. Lord, if there's one here today that needs to come to Christ, I pray they'd make that decision today. Lord, if there's others who need to follow Christ, to take some step in their Christian life, maybe the step of baptism or church membership or or maybe the step of uh, witness to some other person, to tell them about Jesus, or maybe it's the step of Christian service, Lord, whatever the case might be. You be our helper, you be our guide. Lord, show us what you'd have us do next. Speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1 of Psalm 51 says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, And cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips. And my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou art a broken spirit. Forgiveness of sins. Thank you so much. You may be seated. This is one of those beautiful stories in the Bible because it's, it's a story of David. And it comes at a time when David had committed great sin against God in his involvement with Bathsheba and having her husband Uriah killed in in the battle on the battlefield in the front line he did that to cover up his sin and the prophet if you remember the prophet 
came to him, Nathan the prophet, and pointed out that God knew about his sin. And once he realized that, he crumpled in confession. Later he wrote these words as his heart truly repented and turned back to God. And you know, that's what should happen to all of us when we find ourselves in sin. And it's true. Just like David, you and I, we will, and and maybe you have already been at a place in your life when you wanted forgiveness, when you knew you had sinned. But what does God do with our sin anyway? I want to talk about that as we look at this text and see what God can do. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 in verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, there is a, a cleansing that we need when we come to Christ and we ask Him to be our Savior. But then even after that, because we don't lose this flesh that we live in, we don't lose the carnal nature that we have, we, we simply gain a spiritual nature. So now we have two. And the struggle, as Paul put it in Romans chapter 7, the struggle that we have then is choosing which one we're going to listen to. And because we're human and we still are on this side of heaven, because we still have that struggle every day, there are times when we're going to fail and fall. There are times when we, like David, are going to find ourselves saying, Oh my, I did it again. What does David think as he comes to God? He thinks and he knows that God is faithful and that God can forgive sins. And if you've messed up, if you've blown it, I want you to know God can forgive your sin too. But it's important to understand what David understood that brought him to God with this confession in the first place. He understood that repentance is necessary for the forgiveness of sins. Did you get that? Repentance is necessary for forgiveness of sins. Notice what David said. In verse 16, he felt so guilty, he felt so awful for what he had done. But he said in verse 16, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God at this time, the sacrifices of God when you're in sin, is this, a broken and contrite heart. A broken spirit, a contrite heart, he says, thou wilt not despise. When we come to God for, with confession and we ask for forgiveness, this is the way we're to come. We're to come with the attitude of repentance. We're to come understanding our guilt and confessing it before God. When God sees this kind of humility and sincerity, when God sees this kind of transparency, He's more than willing to forgive. Amen? God is good. But are we honest? Are we truthful? Are we repenting when we come? In this text, David outlines some great things that teach us some good Bible, Bible truth. David shows us here, first of all, our sin concluded. Notice with me in verse number 3. David says here, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Hey, have you ever heard somebody apologize? Hey, if I've ever done anything wrong, I'm sorry. How many of you think that sounds like a real sincere apology? Nobody? Really? Okay, don't raise your hand, but how many of you ever apologize that way? <laughs> 
It happens, doesn't it? And it just makes us wonder, yeah, I don't know if that's really sincere. I don't know if there's real repentance happening there. Because real repentance causes us to say, hey, I am truly sorry. Right? When somebody just says sorry and they don't say, I am sorry, I have a little, I, I, I just noticed that. That means they're not taking responsibility. They're just trying to smooth it over. You know, and like some people, they want to do something good to cover up what they did bad, and that's as close to an apology as you're ever going to get. That's not repentance. And that's why David said, God doesn't want sacrifices. He doesn't want offerings, right? He said, otherwise, I would give it. Because when, you, when you're in this shape, like David in Psalm 51, and when you're so heavy and so guilty and remorseful, when, you're, when, when you know you've messed up, Man, you'd give your right arm to start over and hit the reset button. I want this cleansed. That's what David wanted. But David understood something about God. God's not interested in sacrifices at that point. God's not interested in service at that point. Don't think giving a special offering is going to wash all that away. Don't think some act of kindness or whatever is going to set it all right. Because what God wants when you're wrong, is a broken and contrite heart. He wants you to come in sincere humility, just like David did here, and say, God, I'm guilty. Lord, I messed up. Lord, I did this. I'm sorry. He said, I acknowledge my transgressions. Notice he said, my sin is ever before me. You know, the first step to getting right is admitting that you're wrong. And if that's the first step, then then it really means you you can't get past that without admitting it. And yet yet it seems like for for many of us, that's the hardest step to take. Just to come clean and say, I did it. I'm guilty. I'm wrong. You know, they say some of the hardest words for people to say are, I am wrong. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry. And for some people, you can add, I love you. I don't know why that would be hard to say. Some people have said, well, I wasn't loved as a kid. That's why I have a hard time loving. I'm thinking, well, man, if you weren't loved as a kid, then who better than you to know how important it is to love people? Loving should be easy then. You should be full of it. Right? Because you you missed it. You know how important it is. That's powerful, isn't it? So those kind of cycles in life will continue to repeat unless we break the chain. How do we break it? We become the instrument of change. We determine that we're going to be the one to do it right and not repeat the wrongdoing that was done to us. Amen? Again, that's a beautiful story. David said, I acknowledge my transgression. You see, the Bible concludes that all men are sinners. And I know we live in a world that likes to justify sin. We live in a world that likes to say, well, there's no absolutes. There's no right and wrongs. But they're not reading the same book I'm reading. Because in the Bible, there are absolutes. There are rights and wrongs. There are thou shalts and there are thou shalt nots. And you know, like Adrian Rogers said, if you please God, it doesn't matter who you displease. But if you displease God, then it doesn't matter who you please. And when we live our lives, we want to please God. 
And I believe if we please God, then we're going to please anyone else who's right with God. Automatically. The Bible has concluded our sin. Do you know the Bible says in Romans 3.10? It says, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Not one. Did you know what that means? That means you're not righteous. That means I'm not righteous. That means you're not perfect. That means I'm not perfect. Have you ever stopped and asked somebody? Hey, are you perfect? Most people will admit that. Oh, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not perfect. Now, they still think they're not bad. Well, you know, if perfect is good, that, the opposite of perfect is what? <laughs> if you're not perfect, then you've done some bad somewhere. It's a little harder to get that out of them. Okay, I'm not perfect. But the Bible not only says that we're not perfect and we're not righteous. Notice what it says in a few verses later, Romans 3, verse 23. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So not only are we not righteous, we're not perfect, but the Bible goes a step further to conclude our sin. And God says, not only are we not righteous, but we've sinned. Hey, have you ever sinned? You want to hear real honest answers? Talk to some children and ask them, have you ever sinned? Some of them are a little confused, not knowing what sin is. Maybe they'll say, oh, no, oh, no, that sounds bad. Oh, no. To help them understand that, I would often say, well, have you ever, have you ever gotten a spanking? Have you ever been in trouble? Have you ever been in put in time out? Have you ever, right? Mom ever got upset with you? Oh, yeah. Well, why did mom get upset with you? And then they'll give me an example. They'll tell me. Okay, well, that's bad. Right? That's, that's like what sin is. And when we sin, guess what? We get in trouble with God. Because God says, none are righteous. Then God says, all have sinned. And if we're short of the glory of God, I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter if you miss it by an inch or miss it by a mile. You still missed. And that's why most people aren't going to heaven. So coming to God and being saved requires this understanding of our sins being concluded. God knows our condition. But you know what? Even as believers, if we, like David, go astray and do things we ought not, we know that the word of God concludes our sin. And that's why we have to confess, because God already knows. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, the Bible says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Isn't that so true? Isaiah wasn't the only one who felt that. David here is feeling that. And if you're honest with yourself this morning, sitting here in this auditorium, you feel that as well. You know that to be true in your own life. There have been times when you've gone your own way. There have been times you've done your own thing. There have been times when you've wronged God and you know it. The question is, are you willing to come clean with God? Are you willing now to acknowledge it, to confess it? Are you willing to admit it? Whether you admit it or not doesn't change the fact that it's true. God already knows it's true. He's already written about it in his word. And one of the things that really amazed me when I first came into contact with the Bible is how much God already knew about me. It just seemed like when that person was reading those verses... God was speaking to my heart, saying, that's you. That's true. I couldn't believe it. 
Those words were so powerful, so penetrating. And if you're feeling that today, what God wants you to do is just come clean. Just acknowledge the sin that's already concluded. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's a nice way of saying you're a liar. <laughs> Isn't that right? None of us can say I've never sinned. I have no sin. Because we all have. And by the way, isn't that why Jesus died on the cross? So that he could deal with that matter of sin? So that he could purge our sins? You see, God is a holy God. And he's a judge. And because of that, he can't just wink and act like you didn't do it. That sin had to be paid for somehow, some way. So Jesus stepped in to make the payment we could not make. So that we could be saved. Because not only does the Bible, not only does the Lord conclude our sin, he declares sin and its guilt. But the Bible also, God also condemns our sin. So what does God say about sin? Notice what David said about it. Look at verse 4. He said, against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. So David understood that God, as a holy being, has to judge sin, or he couldn't be God. And so God has set out a declaration of judgment against sin. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. By the way, you know the devil knew that? That's why he snuck up on Eve in the garden and tempted her and talked her into eating the fruit. You know, think about it. What's the worst thing you've ever done? For her, guess what it was? It was eating a piece of fruit. Now, you might say, well, that ain't so bad. No, that's you justifying sin. You see, what is sin anyway? Sin is any time we go against what God said. We do something that we're not supposed to do. Or we don't do something that we are supposed to do. That's sin. And Eve sinned when she ate the fruit in the Garden of Eden that God said, don't eat that. You see, it was God's. He owned that. And he didn't give it to her. He said, I don't want you to have that. Why? Because it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I don't want you to know evil. I don't want you to have that. You know, God loves us enough that he really doesn't want us to experience certain things. But sometimes we're stubborn. We're hard-headed. We think we know better. And we go right on anyway. And God goes, yeah, well, I was trying to, I was trying to spare you from that. But, and so he dealt with her. And I'm glad he didn't throw the clay away, aren't you? God condemns sin. The wages of sin is death. So the devil talked Eve into sinning, and, be, and at that moment, God proclaimed there would be judgment and there would now be death over the human race. And the Bible says, Paul explained it later, as much as we humans can understand, that the whole creation was affected by sin, and it groans until now. So in other words, humans aren't the only ones that die, right? Animals die, plants die, everything dies. 
Uh, everything is temporary in this life, and there's nothing permanent as we know it. Why? Because sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, the Bible says, for that all have sinned. The wages of sin is death. What are wages? Wages are what we earn. We've earned the penalty of death because of our sin. So what does sin do to us? Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. You see, when Eve sinned in the garden and Adam sinned in the garden, what happened? God cast them out of the garden because as sinful beings, they could no longer be in his presence. Don't you know God don't allow sin into heaven? So we got to deal with that before heaven or we're not going to be able to get in. God separated Adam and Eve from his presence. So sin separates you from, from God and it puts you on a path toward destruction, toward judgment, and toward hell. The Bible in the book of Revelation speaks of death and then the second death. You see, because once you're on that path of destruction, you're headed toward the second death, the lake of fire. You're headed for the place called hell. Right? And, and something has to be done before you get there or, or it's, you, that's where you're going. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to interrupt that process. You take that wrong path, you end up in the wrong place. Notice the Bible says in Revelation 21.8, sin is condemned. It says, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So you see, we, we sin in life. It puts us on the path of destruction. And guess what is on that path? The cross. Guess what's on that path? The Bible. Guess what's on that path? Other people. To point the way. To let you know that if you keep going the way you're going, you're headed toward hell. But Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. And other people are going to tell you about it. So that you have an opportunity to embrace what Jesus did on Calvary for you. So that blood can be applied to your heart like we sang about earlier. So that you can go to heaven when you die. You know, as a Christian... See, I've already been forgiven. I've already been saved. The blood's already applied to my account, but I still messed up. That, that can happen. It shouldn't happen because you're careless and aren't trying. If that's true, you better do some checking up. Because those who come to Christ, the Bible says if you be in Christ, you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. You may make a mistake once in a while, but that shouldn't characterize your life. If you're living in a lifestyle of sin and claiming to be saved, well, I got news for you. That doesn't line up with the Bible message of salvation. People who are saved don't want to live that way. They got a different want to going on inside. Amen. That's why David was so broken up about this. He knew he messed up and he was coming to God just broken and devastated. And he was crying out to God, please have mercy on me. Our sin is condemned in the Bible. God's going to judge sin one day. And you don't want to stand before him guilty of sin. But our sin can be cleansed. And you see, that's what gives us hope. If you're here today without Christ, you have hope because God can save you from that destiny of, uh, of destruction. If you're here in Christ and you've blown it, 
you have hope because, because God can cleanse you from sin. Notice David came, and look at verse 1. He, he comes with that hope of cleansing, and he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. He says in verse 2, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He says in verse 7, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. He says in verse 9, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. And he says in verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Isn't that good? Hey, it can be done. That's why he was coming. He was coming to God for forgiveness. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't it powerful to know that Christ died knowing you were guilty? He died on purpose to save you from that. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus made that payment. That's why we can be saved. Hebrews 9, 11 and 12 says, But Christ, being come the high priest of good things, to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. He didn't say temporary redemption. He said eternal redemption. I like that, don't you? So what does that mean? That means once you're in Christ, friend, like Romans, uh, Romans chapter 8 talks about, once you're in Christ, you cannot be separated from that ever again. It's eternal. That process is eternal. Some people ask the question, okay, so can I become a Christian? And what happens if I blow it after that and I mess up? And then I die. Am I still going to heaven? Yeah, you're still going to heaven. But you might not be too happy when you get there. Why? Because you're going to be disappointed when you stand before a holy God, a loving Savior who, who saved you, right? And you're going to be like David in Psalm 51. And look, even if you don't have an attitude of repentance now, if you're truly saved when you get there, you will. When you get to heaven, you're going to lose this carnal, fleshly nature that we have. And all the things that get in the way of you doing right is going to be gone. And you're going to see life and you're going to see issues from God's point of view like you ought to see them now. Oh, yeah. You'll have the right attitude then. And God will deal with you as a son. Right? Thank God for his love. Sin can be cleansed if we bring it to Jesus. That's what David was doing. He was running to God. Lord, he was saying, forgive me, have mercy on me. And that's how he started in verse 1. You see, because when our sin is cleansed, you know what happens to it? Have you ever studied the Bible to see what happens? What has to be done to sin so that it can be forgiven? You ever, you ever thought about that? Let's read some verses. Let's take a little Bible journey and let's see what God does with sin in order to to cleanse you from it, to forgive you. Well, first of all, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 11, that sin is written. In other words, there's a record of sin. God knows when you sin. Jeremiah 17, 11 says, the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. 
Now, the Bible also says in Revelation that when we stand before God, the books are going to be opened. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to tell you, one of those books, I think, is going to be the book of your works. And you're going to stand before God one day, and nobody's going to get before God and have a convincing argument. Well, Lord, I'm a pretty good guy. Hey, I never killed anybody. No, because God's going to, he's going to state what you did. It's all written. He's got a record of that. There are going to be other books there. The Bible's going to be one of those books. He's going to show how what you did conflicts with the Bible because you broke his law, right? That's another book. And, uh, ooh, that's a journey. Well, that's another sermon, actually. But, but sin is written, right? God has a record of that. God knows your sin. That's the whole point. And next, Acts chapter 3, verse 19, when we come to God and ask forgiveness for our sin, what happens? Our sins get blotted out. Based on the blood of Christ, Acts 3.19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of your refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. What does blotting out mean? It means taking ink and, and it means stamping over to the point you can no longer see or read what's underneath. Blotting it out. That's what Jesus does to the record of our sin. He just blots it out. All right? You can't read it anymore. Then what does he do? He takes that written record of sin. He blots it out. And then in Colossians 2.14, he nails it to the cross. Right? Right here. He nails it to the cross. What does Colossians 2.14 say? It says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And then what did he do? The Bible says he took that record that was blotted out, nailed to the cross, and he cast it behind his back. Isaiah 38, 17 says, For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Where is that? It's the place God doesn't look. It's the place he no longer sees behind his back. How far, how hard did he throw it? How far did it go? The Bible says it went as far as the east is from the west. In Psalm 103, verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Oh, listen, God took that record. He blotted it out. He nailed it to the cross. He cast it behind his back, and it went as far as the east is from the west. And then where it fell, there was a sound. And it went down, down, down into the deepest sea. Micah chapter 7 verse 19 says, He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. And once they're there, because God chooses, he no longer remembers those. The Bible says in Hebrews 10 verse 17, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Somebody said those sins were cast into the deepest sea and God just put up a no fishing sign. <laughs> Don't be digging around there. He didn't say in Hebrews ten seventeen, and their sins and iniquities can I remember no more. God knows everything. And he can remember everything except what he chooses to forget. 
And he says, those are the things that I will remember no more. The word will is an indication of his will. He is choosing to remove those things from his remembrance, from his mind. God doesn't see our sin on us when he looks at us because of what Christ did on the cross. When all this happens, when we ask God to forgive us, and because Jesus paid the price, it can legally be done, it can legitimately be done by God, we're forgiven. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That's exactly what David's doing in Psalm 51. He's returning to the Lord, and he's saying, God, have mercy on me. Micah 7, 18 says, Who is a God like unto thee? that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. God wants to forgive you. God wants to take that sin and cast it behind his back. He wants it to be buried in the deepest sea. He wants to remember it no more. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I like that word all, don't you? You know what that means? It means there is no sin that exists that God can't forgive me from. Now, there might be some consequences to that sin that God doesn't remove. But the sin itself... He can forgive. And he will forgive. But what you and I first have to do is we have to humble ourselves like David did. We have to repent. And we have to come with that transparent heart, that humble heart, that sincere heart that says, like verse 3, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. You know, the first step to getting right is to admit you're wrong. Own it. Sometimes you just have to say, God, I messed up. I did the wrong thing. I made the wrong choice. I said the wrong thing, whatever the case might be. Be real about it. Be honest. Bring it to God. He knows what to do with it. Aren't you glad we can be forgiven? It was this hope of being forgiven that brought David to his knees And caused him to come to God who loves us. The one who gave himself for us. He said, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Some of those consequences. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. He said, create a clean heart in me and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. He said, then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. You know, it's kind of hard, isn't it? It's 
It's hard to witness, hard to talk about God when you're not right with Him. It's hard to be an example. It's hard to be an influence. It's hard even to be joyful. We lose all that when we're guilty. We lose all that when we're wrong. And today we need to gather up those wrongs and we need to bring them to the Lord. And we need to say, Lord, here they are. Please forgive me. I'm glad we serve a God who can and will. Aren't you? Let's bow together in prayer. Father, how we love you today. How we thank you for the Bible truth of forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord, for beautifully illustrating how sin is removed from the mind of God. We know the legitimate price had to be paid. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. And God, now all you're doing is waiting on us to be humble and repentant to come and ask. If there's anyone here that's never been truly saved by the grace of God, they don't know Jesus as their Savior, I pray today they'd come and be born in the family of God and be forgiven of their sins. If there's a believer here today that's just messed up like David and just needs to come and say, Lord, wash me, forgive me, Lord, I pray today they would do that. To be restored and right again that they might serve you. Lord, work in hearts and lives. We thank you for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name we ask.